buying this book. But we also wanted to pass on the wisdom that the cheerful survive somehow better and help themselves as well as everyone else along the way. The wallowing in other people's sympathy doesn't do all that much to make you feel better. I mean, how many times do you want anyone to say how terrible it must be for you? Everyone is different, and of course there are people for whom ultra-sympathetic tones and hours of listening to their ailments are what will make them better. Speaking personally, I'd be afraid to risk it. It's not that I wasn't grateful for sympathy during the two years of great pain and much disablement before the operation. I suppose I'm afraid the sympathy fuse is a short one and can be tried to breaking point, so I allowed myself to indulge in it very sparingly. I said I was fine when I was terrible, I was much better when I was much worse, and I was full of hope when I was glum with despair. It worked so well that some people said there was nothing at all wrong with me, except that I seemed for some reason to be bent double, walking on two sticks, yelping a bit, and unable to climb three steps. Others, who knew there was quite a bit more to it, realised that this was the way I wanted to play it, and went along with it. So... Not only did I see good humour and optimism reflected in the faces I looked at, which was immensely cheering, but the approach worked when I was alone. I had said so often I was great that I almost believed it myself. And on the odd day when I really did need the shoulder to wail on, I felt I could ask for it, because it wasn't already sodden with the damp of a thousand wails. I admit that after the operation I didn't want people to be brisk and dismissive either and say, nonsense, there's nothing to it, when they stood there on their own two good legs and I'd a contraption tied to me to make sure I didn't lie on my side by accident. I didn't want them to minimise it and say that everyone, including the dogs in the street, were having joint replacements all the time these days. And I certainly didn't like being offered the healing power of crystals the address of the seventh son of a seventh son, a pounded mixture of herbs to apply to the afflicted part, a copper anklet or a mantra never known to fail. What did I want then? I suppose like anyone I wanted to be treated with concern and affection, but most of all to be treated as if things were normal, as they had once been and would be again, not so very far in the future. Now, if that's what you want... How do you get people to treat you like that? Well, the good news is, it's the invalid that calls the shots. All we have to do if we want to avoid sepulchral sympathy, remorseless heartiness, or off-the-wall cures, whichever is the most maddening, is to send out the right vibes. I'm not at all suggesting we ignore symptoms, refuse treatment, and abandon everything that modern medicine can do for us. Absolutely the contrary. We should seek advice early and then take it. We should rejoice that we live after rather than during the days of leeches and bleedings and dosing with unmentionable things. If ever there was a reason not to mourn the passing of the good old days, it'd be in terms of health. Nor is this book about putting on a show for the visitor. It's about coming to terms with the fact that our bodies aren't invincible after all. Realising that we're not toddlers who've fallen over and will get up ten seconds later to waddle on. It's only human to be anxious and doubtful and, and sometimes just outraged that parts of us aren't working properly. 
we vow that if only this pain or that ache would go, then we'll never complain again. We spend futile hours looking back on a misspent life and blaming ourselves for whatever has befallen us. Well, this is natural. There's really no such thing as a naturally good patient. Who is able to be genuinely good-tempered through wheezes and snuffles and fractures and labour pains and attacks of nausea? But eventually, we probably learn to be slightly better patients than we feel like being, partly for social survival, but partly for sheer self-preservation we learn to cheer up. I hope that there's something in this book that'll cheer you up. Not too boisterously, as if a manic face were two inches from yours, saying menacingly, You will be good-humoured or else. I've met too many professional Pollyannas in my life to think that good humour can be imposed on people successfully. And I hope nothing in this...